uh, we'll get into the message today. Lord, thank you so much, God, for Calvin's testimony. Lord, thank you for just sparing his life, God, and, and working through really dire circumstances. Lord, we all have our own experiences, God, with prayer. We all come from our own backgrounds, our own victories, our own questions, um, our own hurts. And I pray that as we look at what your word says about prayer, that you would just speak to us, Holy Spirit. Um, we, God, we also, as we enter in, God, we, we think of Dakota and Taylor, God, in the hospital. And we pray over them, God, that they could go home today. <laughs> Lord, if you would allow them, God, thank you for their, their new baby. We, uh, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, so we, uh, last week we started a series on prayer, and I talked through the Lord's Prayer, um, a prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples. Um, his disciples made this request of Jesus. They saw what Jesus's prayer life looked like, and they said, I want that. And so they came to Jesus one, one day, it talks about in Luke 11, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray like you. Teach us to have the prayer life that you have. That connection to the Father, that desire for God, that's what we want. And so they came to Jesus, and they asked him to teach them to pray, and Jesus didn't disappoint. Jesus didn't disappoint. He taught them how to pray. Often, often uh, you know, we want specifics. And if you read the New Testament, Jesus, you, the people ask Jesus a question, and he tells a story. This time he was really, really specific, and he gave them the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer isn't just religious words that we recite, but it's actually words that, that change us that form us, that go down deep inside of us and change our hearts. It shapes the, the way that we, uh, we stand before God. And so what we want to do each time as we are, are in this prayer series for the next four weeks, I actually want us to stand right now, and we're going to pray this prayer together. Again, it's not just a, a, a religious thing, but as we say these words, uh, think about what they mean and, 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 and speak them from your heart. So let's, let's do this together. And I will say this is the, the version in Luke 11. So just to throw you off, it's not the one we usually quote out of Matthew. So you are going to have to focus here. So um, let's, let's pray this together. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Amen. You may be seated. You can see how praying this prayer every morning, and I challenged you last week to pray this prayer every morning, just as a way to, for God to shape your heart, to shape your day. You can see how this really, really sets a tone for your conversation with God throughout your day. So whether you pray it in the morning or at night or both, it, it is a way that, we, that, that we, uh, we are, we've been taught to connect with God. Um, another resource that we're using and has even helped shape some of this series is a book by a, a guy named Pete Gregg who runs a 24-7 prayer ministry um, out of England. Um, it's, it's a great book. It's called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People, which is a great title. So if you consider yourself to be a normal person... 
who wants to learn how to pray, I recommend this book heavily. Um, in the book, Greg or Pete has a um, has an acronym he uses that's really simple to remember. It's the letters P R A Y, and what it stands for is pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And that's the way that he's sort of formed his prayer life. And so we're actually going to walk through those and look at, look at each of those in Scripture today, starting with the idea of pausing before God. Many of us, when we pray, we think we've got to bring our, our best thoughts and, and our, our biggest requests, and we can't bring anything. But when we come to before God, he invites us to just pause before him. To pause is to stop what we're doing. To pause is to wait on God. To pause is to, to focus on what God might be saying to us, to listen, and really to be still. And so let me ask you this. How much time each week do you spend in silence before God? How much time each week do you spend in silence before God? I would guess this is a difficult question for most of us to answer because life is busy. Every day is busy. Spending time in silence before God doesn't fit naturally into the grid of our American culture where we have noise all the time, where we have content all the time, where we have things we're looking at all the time. We like to do stuff. And for some of us, Sunday morning actually might be the only time where we just stop and sit and receive from God. And you know what? That's a great thing. It's a great thing to get into the discipline of sitting every week to, to not just come to worship and connect with people, but to actually receive from something from God. It actually makes my job as a preacher that much more serious. Like, okay, God, just speak through me. Don't let me get in the way. But the question is, is Sunday the only time we're supposed to receive from God? No. If we want to live a thriving Christian life, Sunday can't be the only time that we receive from God. I'll tell you what, it's an awesome starting point. Like if you've made this part of your weekly rhythm, it is a, it is a great starting point to come and to worship and to hear the word and to hear testimony and to share a meal together once a month. Maybe, maybe we can get to every week. That would be pretty tough, I think, making food all the time. But, um, but man, what if we went from pausing once a week to once a day, twice a day? How might that shape and change our hearts? Now, that might seem like a stretch to you. That might seem like, man, that, that just doesn't fit my busy life. Like, I'm just trying to survive right now. Work is tough. Family's tough. Bills, stress, all the things. And I, I totally get that. Like, if you're in a space where, man, you're just hanging on by a thread. I get it. My prayer life changed dramatically uh, when I left college and moved to Portland and got a real job. All of a sudden, I wasn't in class and riding my bike to work, living in a $375 a month apartment with my new bride. It was just a great little life we had going, going in, in uh, our college town. And then after I graduated, I had this pressure, like I got to get a real job. 
So I get this job working 60 to 70 hours a week at, at a staffing company. Um, we, le we left our Christian community where we were at in Monmouth. We move up to Portland, and there's no Christian. I work with zero Christians. And so, literally, my prayer life is simply walking in the door each day, and as I'm crossing the threshold into my office, I'm praying, God, just help me survive. Just help me to survive today. Like, I'm I feel like I'm hanging on to my faith by a thread. And I don't know if you're in a similar place. I don't know if, if, if that stress season is, is having young kids. I don't know if that stressful season is, maybe you've been, maybe you've been blindsided by grief, and that is, has been, you're in a survival season with that. Maybe you do work in a really hard environment, and it, it's just a struggle every day um, to stay focused on God. There are a lot of reasons why we don't pause. Maybe we don't pause before God because we, we didn't know to pause. We thought prayer was simply like hammering out a list, you know, like, like submitting a shopping list to God every day. Maybe we didn't know God just wants to spend time with us. That pausing is part of the equation. But I want to start, we're going to look at two passages today. The first one we're going to look at is in the book of Ecclesiastes. The second one is in the book of Psalms. Um, but Solomon writes this about how we enter into worship, how we enter into prayer before God. And this is found in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1. It says, Guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. So there is a gravity to our relationship with God. Solomon is calling people to remember who they're talking to. The God of the universe. When you enter into the house of God, God isn't looking for you to take your busyness with you. God's actually looking for you to surrender that and, and expect not just to request something, but to receive something from him. As much as prayer is about request, it's even more so about receiving from God, entering into the presence of God. God wants us to pause. God wants us to consider what we're saying. You know, often we say more when we say less. You know, you know what I mean? When we, say, we, when we say less, and we can actually mean it, right? And, and so as we come before God, take that time to listen, to pause, to center yourself. When I read this passage, I often think of my dinner table prayers. Anybody, like, rush through the dinner table prayer? Like, I've got this, I've got chicken and mashed potatoes in front of me. The kids have already started nibbling on their food. I'm like, I just want to get through this prayer and get to eating, right? I think the dinner table could be the place to practice pausing, just to annoy your kids. Just to annoy your kids this week. Just like, hey guys, we're just going to pause. We're going to take 10 seconds of silence before God. And we're just going to wait. Because I, I think about the dinner table. If you're a parent, the dinner table is kind of where you pray with your kids the most, right? You say thanks. You th say thanks to God before the meal. That, this is a place to practice that kind of deep reverence 
to pause and remember who God is. It says, don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. What I love about this is that prayer isn't an invitation to religious busyness, right? It's not trying to just, hey, get, be really busy, say a lot of words. We're not just, God's not just calling us to come before him and, and, and remember all requests, our, all our requests, all the things we need prayer for. It's literally just sitting at his feet. Prayer is a space where we are supposed to encounter the presence of God. Are supposed to have have community friendship with God so when we close the door when you close the door of your room or your office or if you have a prayer closet whatever it is like you close it so that you can enter into a, a time of friendship with God here's the good news if you struggle with prayer if, if you don't know what to say when you come before God the good news is that your quiet time can actually be a quiet time. You don't actually have to say anything. You can just come before God and, and, and let him share. You can say the Lord's Prayer and then just give it space. Just say, God, you speak. You, you tell me what you want me to hear. You don't have to show up with an agenda. You don't have to show up with flowery language. Like It's literally just being quiet before your Father. And listening to him. We don't do quiet spaces well in our culture. I remember when the iPhone came out in 2007, and there was all this hubbub about it. And because I had a flip phone, I didn't get, I didn't get it. But we had uh, married friends who got like the first generation iPhone, and they told us, this is going to be a problem. The iPhone's going to be a problem. See, before our married friends before we went to bed we used to talk and now we're both just on our phones we can't get off our phones and of course that was funny in 2007 fast forward 16 years and that's like life right like we've lost some connection to each other because we are like fixated on these phones they used to say that phones were gonna, this, these iPhones were going to cure boredom no more boredom Maybe that's true. Maybe we're just spending so much time. We, we, we're constantly like being bombarded with content and ideas because we have, have these phones. So they, there's all these things that push out the quiet spaces of our lives. And this is an opportunity to restore those quiet spaces. God forms us in the quiet spaces. When we push away everything else and just give him room, that's where God speaks to us. That's where God forms us, is in the quiet spaces. For me, lately, I've had to like go walk in the woods sometimes to get away from distractions, to get out of my house, to just go, go have a walk in the quiet, in the stillness, alone. Like That's where I've found some quiet recently. It's in that place where I can just talk to God, and he can talk to me. So what I want to do now is I want to look at another passage today that describes a heart that's been formed by the quiet place. Formed by the quiet place. And this is in Psalm 131, and it's written by King David. And for all of David's flaws, and if you read the Old Testament, David had many flaws. But David was known as a man after God's own heart. More than anything, David wanted to be close to God, is what that means. 
And so he writes this psalm as a reflection of his heart and, and as well as an example for the nation that he ruled to follow. So this is Psalm 131, uh, verses 1 through 3. It says, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. So here we have an image of a quiet heart with God, of a, of a, of a heart that is connected and close to God. It's not worried. It's not trying to figure out all the problems of the world, but it's content in God's protection, provision, and love. It's close to God. And because it's close, it experiences peace. David says his heart is like a weaned child. It's, it's, it, and it's content because of how close he is to his mother. And uh, God is called our father, but you see here in this text that he also has the nurturing characteristics of a mother in, the, in this text. That when we get close to God, we feel safe. We are like a contented child. So have you felt that way before with God? Do you feel that way when you come into the presence of God? What would it look like or feel like if when you entered into your prayer room that you felt like a safe, contented child? Well, I want to show you a picture of a contented child in my own life. And uh, so just so that we can have an image of what this looks like. So... This is my contented child, uh, Eli. He's seven. He's sitting in the front. He's really excited that I'm sharing this right now. <laughs> but this is a picture of Eli when he's very content. And why, why is he content? Why is he content? Well, because it's a beautiful day. We're hanging out on the pier. I've got a crab pot like a few yards away, just hanging out, waiting. We're playing his favorite game, Uno. He's hanging out with uh, his dad and his brother. If you notice behind the Uno card, there's a bottle of Gatorade, his favorite drink. So he's feeling good. And he's got some pretty great shades going on. So this is, this, this is Eli. And, and this is just Eli, right? He's just himself uh, because he's hanging out with dad and his brother, and it's a beautiful day. Is he worried about how to catch the crabs? No. Is he, did he have to figure all the, all the bait out and all that stuff? No. Did he have to drive to the dock? No. He just gets to come and have fun, right? This is, this is my picture, my image of a contented child. My friends, what if we could experience that level of contentment with God? Like, we just get to hang out, and God is going to take care of everything. If we really believe that God was going to take care of everything— then we could really come into a place of prayer with peace. Like, God, I, I trust you. I know you're in control. I know you're going to provide. I know you've got this. And, and that place, that place of contentment is where we can really be ourselves with God. We're not rushed, anxious, worried, we can just be ourselves. We can just bring ourself, our broken self to God. 
because we know that he's provided it all. Not just, and I'm not just talking financially. I'm not just talking about like, like family stress, work stress. He's provided it all in forgiveness. We can bring our broken selves to God and know that he's provided all the grace necessary for us to have a, a complete relationship with him in Jesus. Right? So there is no barrier. There is nothing we have to worry about. We get to come before God and just be our full self. Just be our full self. Too often we bring our anxious self before God. Right? We're, we want to fix everything, so we're just throwing up a Hail Mary prayer to God to see if that will do anything. We're too distracted by what's going on in our world when God wants to just invite us to be that contented child in his presence. And the good news is, if you have strayed from God, and if you are, are far from experiencing that kind of peace, he loves you, he's chasing you, and he wants you to get to a point through, through Jesus, through connection with him, through forgiveness, that you would feel peace in the presence of God. And so what... Psalm 131 speaks to, it doesn't speak to how to get there, because the how is actually really easy. The how is easy, because we're not talking about a complicated way to connect to God. We're not talking about transcendental meditation. Uh, we're not talking about positive thinking. We're not talking about clearing your mind. We're literally just talking about sitting in silence before God. We can all do that. We can all do that. Even when we're distracted, rushed, hurried, whatever it is, we can all just sit in silence before God. And so what Psalm 131 says is it talks about things that can get in the way of that. What are the things that get in the way? What are the things that we need to be concerned about? And we find them in verse 1. David says in verse 1, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not hardy, hardy, haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. David's talking about the things that get in the way. And, and the things that get in the way are our pride, our desire to fix everything ourselves, to run everything ourselves, and our preoccupation, our distraction. And those are the things that we have to surrender in order to come before God and experience his peace. And that's my point today, is that our pride and preoccupation prevent us from finding peace in prayer. So when we bring pride, when we bring our agenda, instead of praying the Lord's Prayer and saying, God, this is your agenda, uh, when we come in pride and we're disappointed with the things God hasn't done for us, like, God, you should have done this for me. I thought life would be easier, and it's not. When we come in with pride and agenda, we lose that peace with God. And even if life is a mess, when we come in with pride, we miss out on God giving us peace in the middle of that mess. Right? Because before God changes our circumstances, often he changes our hearts. Always at work in our trials. And, and like it says in, in James, consider it joy when you experience trials and tribulations of many kinds. Like, God shapes us through the mess often. 
And then there's this idea of preoccupation. Preoccupation with things that we can't fix, that we can't control. There's so many distractions. There's so, so many, like, potholes that we can fall into in life. There's a lot of things we can't control. We can't control the direction of our country, right? We can't control the economy. We can't control our future. We can't control our kids' future. Uh, we can't control a lot of things, and yet how much time do we spend fussing with those things or anxious about those things? I can't control if the Mariners win or lose today, you know? I mean, there's like two people with me on that, but it's uh, okay. But these are the things that we just have to, we have to submit to God, not the mariners, everything else. Um, but the only way that we can experience peace, uh, peace with God is surrendering those things that we can't control. Not, not just fixating on things it says that are too wonderful for me. Another way you can read this is that idea of trying to figure God out instead of enjoying relationship with God. So often we just try to figure God out. We just try to have all the right ideas, the right thoughts about God, instead of just going to God and being close to him. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with, with different people who want to focus on like the fine details of, of theology, the fine details of scripture. I'll, I will die for the gospel of Jesus. I will die for everything written in the Apostles' Creed. But I don't want to, to fight and fuss about the small details of theology. Um, look at what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. He says, Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. He's saying there are little dumb arguments we can get into in the church that really, like, break things apart, right? And if we just get fixated on small things or controversies, whether they're, whether they're controversies about uh, belief or stuff going on in the, in the world, like, these distract us from just being able to be at peace with, with God. Um, you will never be able to fix this world, by thinking, uh, by thinking and figuring it out. You won't. You can't watch enough videos. You can't read enough books. You won't be able to fix this world. You have to trust in a God that rules above the world in his kingdom. And you have to trust in that his kingdom is coming. It's breaking in now. And one day we will live in the restored kingdom of God here on earth. So... So we need to put our belief in Jesus in the middle of our lives, surrender the things we can't control to God in order for us to have peace. So what, what I want to do today is I actually want to practice this idea of pausing before God. It's one thing to talk about it, but what we're going to do is we're just actually going to take one minute of quiet today and what I want you to think about is, are there areas, is, is pride preventing me from having peace with God? Like, are there areas of my life where I'm angry with God, or I, I have a bone to pick with God, and God is calling me to surrender that today? God's calling me to be about his will, not my will. Are there areas of preoccupation? Are you distracted by something? Are you distracted by sin in your life? 
Is that keeping you from peace with God? Is there something in your life that you can name that's like, man, I've, I've made this an idol or, or I am addicted to this and it's actually preventing me from experiencing the peace of God? Because you can name that and there's a practice called confession where you can share that with a believer and you actually are freed from that. And we, we, we would, I would love to pray for you this morning if that's, if that's where, we're, where you're at. But there's so many things we can be preoccupied with. If you just go back and had to give an account of the things that you thought about this week, the things you watched, the things you read, and, and, and you thought about, where did my time go? Maybe that's what God is calling you to surrender today. God, how could I, how could I start my day by thinking about you tomorrow? How could, I, how could this Monday be different than last Monday? And maybe it's just that simple step of pausing before God. So what we're going to do today is I'm actually going to read Psalm 131. We're all going to close our eyes. We're going to close our eyes right now. We're just going to be silent before God. And I just encourage you to, to open your heart to be ready to receive something from God. To let, to let the Spirit speak to you. And to just take a minute, and then after that minute, the worship team is going to just transition us into a time uh, uh, as we close in, in worship. So, Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Church, let's just take a minute of silence before God. we are silent because we believe that you want to speak to us we believe that you want to move in us you want us to 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 follow you more completely to be more of your child so lord i pray god that this week that we as a church would experience peace in relationship with you that maybe we never have before 
that we would be able to come before you, God, as your free and loved child that you've done everything for and that you continue to love and continue to shape and continue to guide. Lord, help us not be intimidated by prayer. Lord, help us not be intimidated, God, to just sit and, and live with the uncertainty of what we might receive from you. But God, help us to see the life in that. Help us to accept that. And God, help us to be a church that sits at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to stand, we're going to continue in worship this morning.